one question can dominate our lives. Why God? Why God? A few years ago, a woman in Louisiana was beaten with a bat by her ex-husband who then poured corrosive chemicals on her face on her face to the point that she became unrecognizable as a human. A few weeks ago, 20-foot waves and 220-mile-an-hour winds battered Grand Abaco Island in the Bahamas, leaving 53 dead and 1,300 missing, presumed literally swept off the island into the ocean, leaving the, the entire island uninhabitable. 1.5 billion pounds of debris to be removed. A few days ago, in Kentucky, a little girl was riding her bike 50 yards from her house on her ninth birthday. She fell off her bike like all nine-year-olds do, but she fell onto the brake lever and it severed an artery in her neck and she died in her mother's arms. There are no end to these stories. And we've experienced them all in our own lives personally as well. Real lives that are devastated by unbelievable, unimaginable things. A young mother's cancer diagnosis. A parent's sudden death. Financial ruin from a failed business. A, a child's rebellion, a mental illness, a nervous breakdown, a failed marriage. One question, why God? Why? I think the most commonly asked question among Christ followers is why does God allow terrible, devastating, horrible things to happen? Why does he allow them to happen in our world? Why does he allow them to happen in our personal lives? Even lost people, you probably experienced this in your own life, even lost people who have no connection to God. When something difficult happens, what do they ask? Why does God allow these things to happen? Why do people die? Why do our bodies fall apart? Why do our minds fail us? Why do our friends and our lovers betray us? Our goal over the next three weeks is to address the topic of suffering. But more than just address it, friends, I want us to look into the Scripture and find a map for dealing with pain in this broken world. And this morning I want us to begin addressing a difficult aspect of this difficult topic. This isn't an easy thing for us to talk about and it's not an easy thing for us to wrestle with, but I want to draw your attention to one aspect of this topic this morning as we begin, and that is the inevitability of suffering. Now, we've discussed something before in other contexts, and I want to draw your attention to it again, if I can, just for a moment, just before we get into this and get started in this. Some people from other systems of faith, and even lost people, call it karma. I choose to call it vending machine theology. 
We've talked about it before. Some of you may recall. Vending machine theology simply states that if I do good things, I get good things, right? If I do the right things, then things are going to work out well in my life. As a Christ follower, I might say it this way. If I do what God wants me to do, then God will bless me. If I go to church, my life will go well. If I love my wife, then she will be faithful to me. If I send my kids to youth group, then they will not rebel. If I do good things, I'll get good things. If I put good things in, I'll get good things out. Here's what happens, though. And we're going to talk about why that's not good theology here in a minute. But here's what happens. If that's the way that we live our lives, if that's the philosophy that guides us, then when bad things happen in our lives, what do we say? Why am I being punished? I thought God loved me. I thought God knew everything that I needed. I thought God wanted the best for me. I thought God cared for me. Now in our series here over the next three weeks, as in everything that we discuss here at Moss Brook, we need to see what God's Word has to say because it's our guide and it's our truth. And friends, as in everything, but maybe most especially Forgive the bad grammar, but I like that. Most especially, in this most difficult of topics, we cannot allow our emotions and our experiences to determine what's true. We have to have a map. We have to have a guidepost. We have to have a a standard of truth that we run this stuff through that happens in our lives, or we're going to get very, very lost. And I want to begin this morning by reading you a verse from 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to read several verses this morning, but here's the first one. 1 Peter 4 verse 12, Peter says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. The word surprise means startled or confused. I don't know how many people uh, that are here this morning are like this. See, I feel like the population is divided into two kinds of people. The first kind of people, when someone sneaks up behind them and taps them on the shoulder or screams in their ear, turn around and say, what are you doing? And the other kind, like me, jump three feet off the ground and turn around ready for a fight. You can ask Glenn which one I am. He's done that to me before, and he's just scared the life out of me. (laughs) And that's the picture that Peter's using here. Don't be startled. Don't be surprised. Don't be confused when these things happen to you, when difficulty comes into your life. How many people have ever heard these phrases before? There is a time to be born and a time to die. Ever heard that before? All right, all you 
former hippies out there. That's not just a song by the birds. That's Ecclesiastes. That's the Bible. The wisest man in the history of the world, Solomon, wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And what did he write? He said, there's a time to be born and what? A time to die. There's a time to laugh and a time to cry. There's a time to rejoice and a time to mourn. There's a time for, listen, war and a time for peace. Now, friends, please hear me, and I'll probably give this disclaimer at least ten times in the next three weeks, but please hear this. I'm not saying that pain or sorrow or grief or suffering is easy, and I am certainly not saying that we should just shrug it off and say, oh, well, it happens. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is this. Please get this. Suffering and pain is an inevitable part of life in this broken world. And do you know what? It's been a part of this broken world for a long time because guess what? This world has been broken for a long time. I don't know how familiar you are with your Bible, but if you are familiar with it at all, you know that the first book of the Bible is Genesis. And if you open your Bible to the very first page and you begin to read Genesis chapter 1, then you find out that God created a beautiful place, beautiful place, where there was, what? No sin, no pain, no sorrow, no suffering. And Adam and Eve, who were the first people that God created and put in that beautiful place, enjoyed this pain-free, suffering-free world for two chapters. I don't know how many years it was, but two chapters. Genesis 1, God saw that everything was good. Genesis 2, God said, Adam... You need a woman to come alongside of you and to live life with you that you could be fulfilled. It was beautiful. And then in Genesis 3, what happened? Sin. Genesis 3. I mean, couldn't they have held out to at least 15 or 20? Genesis 3, they sinned. And if you read the last half of Genesis chapter 3, this is what you read. God, aware of their sin, aware of their choices, goes to Eve, and do you know what he says? Do you know what the first thing out of God's mouth to Eve is? Eve, you will bear children in what? Pain. Pain. And you will be in submission to your husband. And it will not be easy for you to do that. Why? Because something has been 
broken. And then he turns to Adam. And he says, Adam, do you remember what a joy it has been for you to walk through this beautiful garden and just pick fruit off the trees and eat it and just pull fruit from the plants of the ground and enjoy it? It's over. It's over. Now you're going to have to, what does he say? Now you're going to have to sweat for it. It's going to be hard to make a living for your family. It's going to be hard to provide for yourself and your own. There's going to be sweat. There's going to be pain. And there's going to be sorrow. And guess what else he says, friends? There's going to be death. Do you know what he says there in Genesis chapter 3, right at the very beginning of human civilization? He says to Adam, from the dust you were formed, and guess what, Adam? To the dust you will return. Now each week we're going to discuss one thing that God's word teaches us that we must do in order to deal with pain in a broken world. And this morning, this is what I want you to grab onto as we begin to make our way through this time together, and that is this, that we must acknowledge the inevitability of suffering. We must acknowledge the inevitability of suffering. Now again, please hear me, folks. I'm not standing up here waving a magic wand. I'm not up here saying that if you do this, there will be no more pain. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to acknowledge the inevitability of suffering. We need to know that we are not suffering while other people are avoiding it. How many people have ever felt that before? It's just me. How come their life is going so well while mine is falling apart? No one is avoiding suffering. No one walks this earth and avoids pain. And here's the reason why. Because we all have a terminal disease. Do you know what it's called? You know what our terminal disease is called? Mortality. Mortality. And we cannot escape it. Now there are people out there who would tell you, if you have enough faith, speaking of your physical ailment, if you have enough faith, you could be healed. Well, friends, I want you to know, I believe that God can heal when he chooses to. But he doesn't choose to heal because you have enough faith to force him to heal you. That's vending machine, remember that? That's vending machine theology. If I put good faith in, I'll get good healing out. Now, if that's what you believe... Or if that's what they believe, whoever these folks are that teach that, then apparently they have more faith than the Apostle Paul because it didn't work for him. He begged God three separate occasions that God would heal him, and God said what? No. No. No, Paul, that's not happening. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but there's not too many 135-year-old faith healers out there. What does that tell you? tells you that we all suffer 
from the terminal disease of mortality. Now I know that that's not fun and I know that the message has not yet crossed over into the edifying and encouraging and hopeful part, but this is where we are. This is the broken world we live in. In fact, in John 16, 33, as some of his parting words to his disciples, Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, trouble, difficulty. In 2 Timothy 3.12, the Apostle Paul said, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Just a few weeks ago, we were looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and there we saw in terms of suffering that Paul said, We are destined for this. We are destined for this. That's a different message than the world is giving us, isn't it? It seems like every time I watch a show on TV, I hear someone at some point say, if you work hard enough, you can achieve anything you want. How many people have experienced that in their life? Anything you want, you can achieve if you want it bad enough. Friends, the technical term for that is bull. That's not true. That's not true. Now, I don't want to discourage you. I want you to work hard. I want you to do what God's gifted you to do. I want you to give it everything you've got. But it is not true that if you try hard enough, you can achieve anything you want. Let me ask you a question. What if the purpose of this world is not what we think it is? What if the purpose of this world is not what we think it is? What if the universe does not exist for the purpose of human comfort and happiness? What if our society has it all wrong? What if our country has it all wrong? That's the way we live most of the time, though, isn't it? This world exists for the purpose of human comfort and happiness. And then when something happens to disrupt that, It sets our lives into turmoil, and we begin to question everything, right? Have you not been at points in your life, whether you are young here this morning or in the middle somewhere or getting toward the end of your lives, have there not been points in your life when things have been going along well and smoothly, and then all of a sudden something comes in and disrupts that, and we begin to question everything that we thought was true. And we find ourselves asking what I think is life's fundamental question. And I'm saying whether you're a Christ follower or not, I think this is life's fundamental question, even though some people don't even know it. Do I trust 
God? Do I trust God? See, a life of faith is always a struggle of trust. It's always a struggle of trust. Even for those of us who are believers, even for those of us who would stand there and say, hey, I love God, I trust God, I've trusted Christ as my Savior, I'm a believer, my hope is in Christ, it's still, friends, isn't it, a struggle of trust. If you were to look at how you feel about God and what he is doing in your life, rarely is that a straight line. It looks more like an EKG, right? Highs and lows. Some highs are higher than others, and some lows are lower than others. How does the scripture define faith? Look at Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The assurance, the, the steadiness, the confidence Faith is the confidence that God will do what he said he would do. The problem is a lot of times we can't see him doing it. And we struggle with this. By the way, we all struggle with this. And we come to God with questions. And that's okay. It's not rebellious to ask questions. It's not rebellious to cry out in confusion when something disrupts the normal, enjoyable course of our lives. It's a normal part of faith. Listen to King David in Psalm 6 who said this, Heal me, Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul is also greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? David was facing physical pain and he was facing emotional pain spiritual pain. My bones are troubled and my soul is troubled, but how long? I hear that, don't you? Do you hear that? How long? God, okay, even if I trust you, how long does this have to happen? And we doubt and we question and we wonder what God is doing and that is a normal part of our faith walk. There is another kind of doubt. This is the kind of doubt that because of our painful circumstances, we begin to doubt God's goodness. We begin to say things like, I'm not sure that God is good. I'm not sure that God is loving. I'm not sure that God is faithful. And we put God on trial is what we're doing. Now, listen. 
this is so emotional that a lot of times we don't know that we're doing that, okay? We don't know we are. But our minds begin to whisper those lies. Have you heard them before in your mind? I don't know if God is still good. I don't know if God is loving. Even if you might say, I I know that God's in control. I know that he's the all-powerful one of the universe, but I don't know if he loves me. And Satan whispers those lies in our minds as well because he wants us to doubt the goodness of God. That's exactly what he wants. He wants to damage our faith so that we might no longer love God or we might come out the other side and not serve him as we once did. Friends, here are the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 5. I know some of these verses will be familiar to you, but I want you to listen to them in the context of suffering, in the context of dealing with pain. Listen to what Peter says. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because, listen to it, friends, this is why we need the map Because he cares for you. Be sober-minded and be watchful because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to what? Devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. What is Peter saying? Peter is saying this. He's saying holding on to faith in this painful, broken world is war. It's war. He is saying God is not singling you out. God is not turning his back on you. God is not ignoring you. He is saying all of your brothers and sisters are facing suffering as well. And it is impossible to live in this world without it. But most of all, friends, listen to this. Peter is saying, your suffering is not a sign that you've been forsaken. It's a sign that you live in a world that does not function the way that God intended for it to function. And it is in need of complete renewal. So what will you do? When you face pain in this broken world in your life, when you face it, what 
kinds of choices will you make? May I suggest a couple for you? Acknowledge the inevitability of suffering. Do not be surprised when these things happen. Fight the devil's lies. Fight the lies of your own heart. Acknowledge the brokenness of this world. And turn your attention to the one who created it and is in control of it. Can I encourage you, my friends, to confess your struggle to believe in God's goodness? Confess it to Him. Tell Him you're struggling to understand what's going on in your life. And let me challenge you do not give in, even when it hurts. Dealing with pain and suffering in this world that is so broken and so messed up is a battle for your soul. And you cannot afford to ignore the fight. Because the fate of your soul hangs in the balance. You see, when we deal with pain and suffering in this broken world... It's not just what you're facing right now, whatever it is right now in your life, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, whether it's financial, familial, whatever it is. It's not just that. It's the impact that it's having on your heart. It can change the way you live your life. Again, friends, familiar verses, but hear them in the context of what we're talking about this morning. Matthew 16. Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Can you remember this this morning? If you don't remember anything else that we talk about, remember this. Pain loosens our grip on this world. Pain loosens our grip on this world. Acknowledge the inevitability of suffering and consider that the purpose of this world is not our comfort and happiness. That's what we're hanging on to so desperately. And choose to believe that not only is God preparing a place for you in eternity, but He is preparing you for that place. Cling to the one who made you for more than this. Folks, listen. 
There is more than this. There's more than this. Cling to the one who loves you and the one who suffered everything and suffered the imaginable for you. The one who understands suffering. Pain loosens our grip on this world. Nothing is more difficult and nothing is more pervasive in life. Nothing is more common to the human experience than pain. No one escapes it. But there is a way through it. by clinging to the one who made us for more than this. We're going to close in prayer this morning. As we do, I want to encourage you, invite you, to join us at 6 o'clock tonight to dig a little deeper into some of these things and give you a chance to ask your questions and see what God's Word has to say a little bit further. This is the first step. We've got two more weeks as we walk through this, and I pray that you'll be here so we can put all these things together, but would love to have you join us tonight. Father, thank you for your meeting with us today. Thank you for opening your word to us in this difficult area, in this difficult topic. We don't like to think about it. We want to ignore it. We want to hope that it goes away. We want to hope that we'll avoid it by some sheer stroke of luck or good fortune or good behavior, but that's just simply not the case. We know that it's part of living life on this earth. And so, Father, would you help us understand how to process these things in our lives. And I pray that through everything that we face in our lives, that we will understand the incredible importance of praising you in it and through it. That we will direct our attention to you, that we will loosen our grip on this world and all that it has to offer and look ahead to what you are preparing for us and preparing us for. Thank you for allowing us to be together and I pray that your spirit would continue his work in our hearts as we leave here and that your love would spill over into the families and homes of those around us. Thank you, Father, for all you've given us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you, folks. I trust that you'll have a great week.